Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. We're going to be going through the book of Acts on Sunday mornings. What I'm going to be doing is picking out a a few uh, passages in each chapter on Sunday morning. And then Wednesday nights, we're going to be going through the book more in depth. So if you're like, why didn't you cover this part of the book? Ha, come Wednesday and then you'll get the the rest of it. Anyway, that's what our plan is. But we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set in his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This summer in Beijing, in China, both the women's and men's Olympic team, the 4 by 100 relay race, In both accounts, on the last leg of the relay, they dropped the baton. The men were set to win the gold medal. This was going into the final, so it was a preliminary. And on the last anchor of the relay race, they dropped the baton. Davis or Darvis Patton handed the baton off to Tyson Gay, and they dropped it, were disqualified. The same thing happened with Tori Edwards and Lauren Williams. Now, the men were expected to win the gold. The women were expected to be beaten by Jamaica because they were like crazy fast, the whole Olympics. But the baton didn't get passed. And in the Olympics, if you don't get that baton, you're disqualified. That's the whole point of the relay. And what's great about the book of Acts here, what we see taking place is the relay from Jesus to the church. The baton is being passed. Jesus has said, I'm done now with what I needed to do. Here you go. And he's passing the baton. 
And he passed it to the disciples. And what we're getting to read about in the book of Acts is what happened when that baton was passed. The the events that took place and what's exciting about the, the book of Acts is it gives us as followers of Christ opportunity to see what did those people who were closest to Jesus do when Jesus left? How did they conduct themselves? What things were they participating in? How did they act? Because that is a pattern of what we're supposed to do. I mean, they walked with Jesus. They they knew the things he said. They were there. If anyone knew what Jesus wanted to do, it was these people. And now we have a record of what took place. Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, is continuing. That's the first book that he talks about. In my former book, Theophilus, was the Gospel of Luke that we just finished on Wednesday nights. And so now he's writing this book as well. And it's interesting. Theophilus means lover of God. That's what the name means. And it's believed by some that Theophilus was actually Luke's owner. You see, Luke was a beloved physician, as we saw in the book of Colossians in last week we talked about the end of the beloved physician Luke greets you. But the doctors weren't the same as they are today. You see, doctors weren't the, the wealthy then. What doctors were then were slaves. And what people would do is they would, if you had wealth and you had affluence, you would buy a doctor. And that would be who followed you around and he was there to take care of you. In fact, he had to take care of you. If he didn't do a good job, you could in some cases, have them put to death. That'd be drag, huh? That would provoke you to do your job well. And so it's believed that Theophilus was once Luke's owner, but that he became a follower of Christ and he told him, go ahead and go with Paul. And so now Luke is rehearsing in those things that have been happening to his former owner. And as he's writing to them here in the book of Acts, he's going to tell them all the things that now took place after Jesus's ministry and the beginning of what we know as the church. Now, from the beginning of our time when we started meeting in Bible studies, I would rehearse over and over again and constantly say, we're not starting a church. We are the church. And I I, want to try and always hold on to that thought because the minute you start saying we are the church or a church, you, you start putting a different dimension into what the body of Christ is. Because do you know how many churches there are in the Inland Valley? Some of you guys heard this already. There's only one. There's only one church. And we are a part of that church if we have put our faith in Jesus. And what we're seeing here in the book of Acts is the birth of his church, the handing of the baton. Now, as you think about the disciples, if you're going to hand the baton to someone, think about who he's handing this baton to. Because throughout the Gospels, we've seen things like Jesus saying to them, don't you understand? How is it you're so slow to believe what the scriptures teach? We saw even this last Wednesday or two Wednesdays ago. You know, they were fighting amongst themselves on on the night that he was 
going to be taken led captive. They were fighting. Which one of us is the greatest? Jesus said, I'm going to die. And they're saying, who's the greatest? I wonder who's going to take your place. Peter, one of his closest disciples, denied him. Three of his closest disciples fell asleep on him in his moment of deepest need. One of them betrayed him. I'm going to pass the baton to you. Does that give you a feeling of confidence? It's like, oh my gosh, God has a lot of faith. You know, it's like he, he's passing the baton to these people. How can he do that? And we're going to, we're going to see how he does that and why he does that. Because what's amazing about God and what's amazing about the book of Acts is that it is not just the acts of these people. It is the acts of God in these people. And it is the acts of God in these people that is continuing today. It, it didn't end when the book of Acts ended. In fact, the book of Acts ends rather abruptly. Towards the end of it, it starts dealing with the Apostle Paul and his going to Rome. But then it just stops. It never gets to his actual death. It just kind of ends. And it's been said there's no word amen in the book of Acts. Because the word amen means that it's done. Let it be. It, it's finished. So be it. And you see, there is no end in the book of Acts because we are continuing to live out the book of Acts. Are you aware of what is happening in the church throughout the world? In Africa, in China, in the Arab nations today, there is an incredible revival taking place. We kind of live in this bubble where all we see is ourselves and, you know, we're worried about economy and elections and, and these kinds of things. But God is at work in his church and it is exploding all over the world. And chapters are being written in heaven of what the church is doing and what is being accomplished in the name of Jesus as the baton is still being handed to those who follow after Jesus, who still follow in his footsteps and doing the things that he has done. Now, it says in the first verse, he wrote about all the things that Jesus began to do and to teach. It's not the other way around, what he taught and then did. It's what he did and then taught, which should be a key for us. You see, our Christian faith isn't just about what we say. It's about what we do and what we say. Because you teach by what you do. Parents, can you vouch for that? No matter what I tell my kids, they still act like me. I, you know, I tried to make them good, but they keep acting like me. What, what's going on? And every now and then my mom will remind me, well, you used to do that. And I, oh, I guess I did. I guess I still do sometimes. What you do and what you teach. And that's what Jesus presented to them. That's one of the things he said. What, what you do and what you teach. They got to go hand in hand. He didn't just teach them. He actually did so that they could see what it is that he taught. And he did these things and he taught them. And I love it says... Oh, 
I love that it, it talks about he gave instruction to the Holy Spirit, to the apostles in verse 2, that he had chosen. And after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Many convincing proofs. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says that Jesus appeared to 500 people at one time. Many of them were still alive at the time that he wrote it. And I know sometimes we get this idea that Jesus, you know, showed up for a, a couple of seconds and then he was gone and, and he appeared and then he was gone. But he was around for 40 days and made his presence known. And I love the New International Translation of this next verse in verse 4 because it says that on a, one occasion while he was eating with them. Now, King James might say assembled together, but according to A.T. Robinson, Eating is actually a part of that assembling together. He, he didn't just sit down and show up and then gone. He ate with them. It takes a while to eat. He didn't just go, okay, I need to tell you guys something. Okay, got to go. I'm a, you know I mean? But that's kind of how we think of it. He just was there and then he was gone. No, he sat down and goes, hey, yeah, you know, get some pasta, whatever they, you know, falafels, I don't know. I feel fine, thank you. Uh, he, he sat down and ate a full meal with them, talked with them, interacted with them. He talked to them about the kingdom of God. And he appeared to them over and over again. Now put yourself in their situation. Jesus was crucified brutally, he was dead. And now you're sitting there eating with him. That would freak me out. It would. It would freak you out too. It'd be like, this is unreal. I wouldn't eat much. I'd just be watching him. <laughs> and as he starts talking to them, he tells them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the gift the Father has promised, which you have heard from me, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So he tells them that they're to wait in Jerusalem for this promise. Waiting is such an important part of our life, our spiritual life. And a lot of mistakes can be made if we don't wait. Now, wait doesn't mean do nothing. Wait means pay attention. Think of it as waiting on a table as opposed to just waiting for the phone to ring. You're attentively anticipating what's going to happen. There's going to be something, a promise from the Father. You need to wait for it. A lot of mistakes are made in our Christian life with those who don't wait. You know, a lot of times people who are, are single, they think, oh, gosh, I just, I need a husband. I need a wife. You know, when you're 18, it's not a big deal. But now I'm 20. Now I'm 30. Oh, no. You know, what's going to happen? I, I need to get married right away. And, and instead of waiting on the Lord, instead of waiting for the right person, a lot of mistakes are made. Well, I'll just take anyone now because, you know, the clock's ticking. And I guarantee you that you will regret more laying in bed next to someone that you don't know 
than if you waited for someone that you truly did know and love. And, and our Christian life is about that. Waiting for what God desires in our life. And so he tells them that you need to wait. There's this promise that is coming from God. And I love their response. So they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Okay, so are you going to do it now? Are you going to establish the kingdom? Remember, who's going to sit on your right hand, your left hand? Lord, you know, am I going to be the greatest? Am I going to serve next to you? Okay, it's back to us. What's going to happen? What's going to happen, Lord? Are you going to establish the kingdom of Israel? And I love his answer because it it really eases my mind concerning the last times and Israel and establishing what God's going to do. He says, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. Now, if you just took that sentence of Jesus, you would probably eliminate a good percentage of the books that are Christian bookstores. You really would. And if you guys have been here for a while, you know, it's a pet peeve of mine how we try and whoop up the end times and make it, you know, sensational. Yeah, it's pretty sensational, the times that we're living in. And, you know, there's a lot of amazing things that have happened prophetically. Israel becoming a nation in 48 and, and the things that are happening concerning Israel. Incredible things. But you see, I've been following Jesus for a while, and according to a lot of books and a lot of teachings I've heard, he was supposed to have come about 30 times now. Anyone remember Y2K, ring a bell? I heard studies after studies, people giving evidences and pulling scriptures from here and putting this there and telling how this is it, the end is coming and it's going to establish this, you know, collapse of the United States and all these, there's going to be someone who's going to rise up and put everything back together. You know, he's going to own a Mac or something and then he's going to be able to fix all the PC problems. Anyway, I heard all these things and then 2000 came and went. And no one said, oh, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. They just started writing new books. Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set in his own authority. But this is what you need to know. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, the word power there is the word dunamis. It means dynamic, dynamite. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to have power to be my witnesses. Now, I want to make something clear, and we're going to go more in depth in this on Wednesday. But if you look to your left there, it should be just about the next page. In John chapter 20, in verse 22, Jesus was resurrected, or actually we can start in verse 21. Jesus has been resurrected, and he said, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, at this point, the disciples are born again. They are 
filled with the Holy Spirit. The breathing on them is symbolic of that. The word pneuma is the same word for spirit as it is for wind. And the idea of the breath, he breathes on them, even as Genesis says that God breathed in him life. Jesus breathed in on them and they had this new life. They were filled inside with the Holy Spirit at this time. So it's important to understand that they had the Spirit at this time. They could not have it previously because Christ had not yet died for their sin. The Spirit of God could not indwell them until the sin was dealt with through the person of Jesus. Dying on the cross. And when it was dealt with and He rose again, then they were able to receive within them the Holy Spirit. But here in chapter 1 of Acts, he says that the Spirit comes on you. And it's a different word. It's the word upi, U-P-I. It is upon you. It's not in you. It's on you. The idea of baptism. You go under the water. The water is around you. It's the idea the Spirit is going to surround you. It's going to engulf you. It's going to empower you. Empower you for what? Empower you to be witnesses. What is the baton that Jesus handed to the church? Was it his instructions? Was it Jesus saying, here, I'm going to leave you this list. This is what I want you to do. Here's the baton I handed to you. I would drop that one. You know, where is it? Oh, I blew it this week. What is the baton that Jesus passed on? It is the Holy Spirit. It is God indwelling in the believer. That is the baton that has been handed to us. And now that he's handed the baton to us, he wants to give us ability to do the things that he desires of us. It's a real frustrating thing to try and do what is naturally difficult for us to do. To obey and serve God, to live faithfully to God. That's a difficult thing for us. And to try and do it in our own strength would be very frustrating. But there is power that is able to enable us to do what God has placed within us, that new creation, that new covenant that is in us that we've talked about. The Spirit needs to come upon us so that we can be witnesses. He doesn't say so that you can witness. The Spirit is going to come upon you so you can go and witness. The Spirit is going to come upon you so that you can be witnesses. It's what you are. That's what you do. And so the baton that Jesus is handing to us isn't just his commands, the things that he's told the disciples. What he is giving to us is the Spirit of God to be able to indwell within us and then he is going to empower us so that we can do the things he asks of us.
Wow. The power of God on you. The Spirit of God dwells in you, and now the power of God is upon you. Man. When, when I was young, we used to take baking soda and vinegar. You guys know what that does? Well, talk to your parents. If you, if you put it together and you enclose something on it and you shake it up, it explodes. It'll, it'll, the, I don't know what it does, but it explodes, okay? It, it just causes that combustion where together they expand and they'll just boom. And you can set in rockets or, you know, whatever it is you want to shoot. You can shoot those things out in the air. This, this combustion of these two things, of the baking soda and the vinegar, you put it together and shake it and bam. Well, you've got the Holy Spirit of God in you, Holy Spirit of God upon you, and bam. Something's going to happen to you. Something is going to happen with you. That you will be witnesses to Jerusalem and Judea and to the ends of the earth. Now, I know we think of ourselves as the center of the earth right now. You know, all our maps, the United States is right in the center there. Have you noticed that? You know, if you go to another country, that's not how it is. You know, if you go to Europe, it's like, hey, why isn't the United States here? Well, because you're not in the United States. Well, we seem to think that the world centers around us, but we're really kind of at the ends of the earth. Jerusalem is where it started. And it's continuing. And it's continuing to this day through these people. Last night, I was training a dog in Mission Viejo, and it was... An Akita Shepherd mix, bad combination. Don't put those two dogs together. And we had to muzzle the dog because the dog was uh, aggressive and uh, training the dog. And after the training was done, I found out that the people who I was working with were Christians. They were followers of Christ. And then I started talking to them about what they're involved with. He was involved with youth ministry. His daughter, one of his daughters, is helping out at the place where they worship. And, and pretty soon I'm, I'm just there talking to them. And I end up you know, saying goodbye to them. I'm giving this guy a hug. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I just hugged one of my clients. You know, that's, that's, that's weird. Unless... There's something more that's taking place unless there is a bond that we have because we are the church. And so I end up spending time just talking to them about what's going on in their lives, about the the spiritual things that are taking place in their life. And we end up sharing with one another about what God is doing in our lives. And, And it just so reminds me of the fact that the baton has been passed to you and to me. And that the work of God is continuing. And it's not a matter of, oh, i got to do the right things. I might drop the baton. It's like, no, I'm going to make it so you can't drop it. I'm going to put this baton in your heart. I'm going to make you a new creation. And then you need to wait for power to come upon you. Now, we're going to talk about that power a little bit more later on. But what we want to do is embrace that power within our lives. And then it goes on and it says that after this, in verse 9, 
He was taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently or steadfastly. I love those words. They were staring. The words that's used there has the same idea of ophthalmology. It's like eyeballing. Okay, he just ascended into heaven and disappeared into the clouds. What would you do? I'd be staring. They were like this, you know, whatever the noise was that happened, you know, all of a sudden. And they're all just standing there. And I just picture, you know, however many that were 120 that were there, all just sitting there looking up. And finally, these two men, which we know as angels, suddenly two men dressed in white beside them, which reminds us of, again, Luke's gospel ends with two angels appearing to the women. They say, men of Galilee, why do you stand there looking into the sky? What would you do? You know, you just, but it's almost like they got to snap them out of it. Hey, 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 guys. Okay, what are you doing? Move along now. Come on, move along. You got to go. It's like, break this up. You guys will stay here forever if I don't come in here and and break this up. Because they're all just going, oh, my gosh. You know, it was one thing that he's alive. I mean, we just sat and ate with him, and I was staring at him then. But now he just ascended into the clouds, and I'm just like, oh, wow. And so these angels come and say, hey, you guys, what are you doing? Why are you staring at the cloud? And I love what they say. They say, this same Jesus. Now, I love that they said the same Jesus. Because how many people have come and said that, oh, yes, I am the return of Christ. Reverend Sun Young Moon from the Unification Church. Sorry, Reverend Moon. This Jesus wasn't Korean. The same Jesus. It's the same one. It's not someone else like Jesus. It is the same Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come back in the very same way you have seen him go into heaven. Now, hearing those words, that would trip you out. You just saw this guy ascend into heaven. They say, hey, what are you doing? Looking, He's coming back the same way that he just left. He is? That would put your mind in a state of, okay, when? When's he coming back? Well, he he told us we don't know the time. But he's coming back. And you see, Jesus has been talking to them about the kingdom of God. And now they've just seen that the kingdom of God, Jesus spoke of it as something that was present with them. The kingdom of God is within you or among you, he said. And he's also talked about the kingdom of God when it comes through the parables and giving examples of what the kingdom of God is. And so there is this awareness of the kingdom of God is going to happen. And we are being empowered to do the work of this kingdom. Have you ever been driving and you look in your mirror and and you see a highway patrol car pass you this way? And then you look in your mirror to see if they're going to turn around. There is an awareness that the police are here. 
They just saw Jesus go into heaven and they said, hey, he's coming back. Same Jesus like you saw him come back. There's this looking in the mirror. Oh, where is he? When, when's he coming back? There is a reality of the kingdom of God that is present with them that they are living in right now because he's alive and he's returning. And I love where that puts them. That puts them in this place of you can't get too comfortable. You, you can't settle down too much because you got to look in that mirror. Is he coming? Not that you're afraid of him, but you're anticipating him. And there is something that is going on that is very real regarding the kingdom of heaven. As real as this world will ever be. And it's a reminder of that world. That we are not of this world. That everything in this world is temporary. But there is a world that is unseen that is eternal. And that is the world that they are living in. And that is the world that empowered them. And because of where their hearts and minds were, they change the world as we know it today. Because they believed in the kingdom of God. They were connected to it by the Holy Spirit. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit to live in it and to be witnesses. That's the baton that's being handed to us. The church, those who follow Jesus, here's the baton. My spirit will be in you. I, I love getting up this morning. It was brisk, that cold wind hitting you. And it was like a, a cleansing breath of God just over the land. You can actually see mountains there. I knew they were there. And now I can see them. And the Spirit of God wants to cleanse your life, come into you, and then wants to empower you to live and be a witness for Him. And then we're going to continue reading about what God did through His church. And as we read that, what's exciting is, you know what? God wants to do the same things through us because we're His church too. There is a work that needs to take place in our lives. It's not something that just happened. It needs to be happening now. And we get to read what happened and see, where is this happening in my life? How is this taking place in my life as we continue through this book? Let's pray together. Father, this is such a remarkable account of your last words through your son. And what a, a challenge it is that knowing your last words that we were to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. Lord, that's what you told your disciples. That was what you entrusted to them. Lord, you've entrusted that to us as well. 
And Father, I love that you would give the furthering of your work into the hands of men and women like us. It's mind-boggling. But just as you hand that baton to us, Lord, and, and as we live this life and we run this race, one day we will be before you in heaven and we will take our crowns and we will throw them at your feet and say, Lord, this belongs to you. We've run the race, we've received the crown, but the crown belongs to you. It was the work of your spirit all along within us, upon us, empowering us to be those witnesses. Lord, all glory goes to you. But today, may we wait on you. May we desire the empowering by you that we too can be witnesses, examples of you to those around us. We ask this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.